ERP contracts are very complex and unless you have background with the enterprise architecture and keeping track of the industry on a daily basis, it's very hard to understand what each of those terms mean. So that's what we are going to discuss in this video. Let's start. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. We help our clients with digital transformation strategy, change management, business transformation, enterprise software selection, as well as implementation. On that note, let's go back to today's topic, which is going to be the top 10 most important ERP contract terms. So some of the examples of the terms and why it is so complex in the case of ERP is because the architecture, the enterprise architecture, as well as how your user workflows are going to be designed, that all dictates what your final pricing is going to be. In general, if you have not done the due diligence in the selection process or in the strategy phase, you would not know what your final price is going to be. And if you negotiate your discounts and or if you are simply chasing the discounts, with ERP, sometimes that could fire back because you might end up paying far more. Initially, when you bought this, you might have thought that you got a deal, but then these overages that you are going to get because of the surprises in the contract, that will eat up all of the benefits that you had because of the discounts. So now let's look at the list. Number one, the additions and modules. And now, if you are not part of the ERP industry, it's very hard to understand. Even for the folks inside the ERP industry, it's very hard for them to keep track of the additions and modules that each of the product is publishing. And each of the ERP vendors are going to have more than 20 ERP products. And sometimes these ERP systems are going to have many different bundles and packages that are going to be wrapped uh, inside this ERP suite. So the way their SKUs are going to be designed, each of the additions is going to be almost like a kit inside your ERP, and they are sort of the bundle of many different SKUs, and they each are going to have very different pricing strategy, depending upon what the publisher or the OEM might be trying to do. And each module may have the overlapping capabilities or the functionality as well. So let's say if you buy one module, and if that belongs to another module, you might be overpaying that. And sometimes, you know, when you are doing the coating, you need to sort of know which configuration is going to give you the price. You might have multiple approaches that you might be able to take in configuring this. Uh, you might have the same outcome, but very, 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 very different price, as well as financial surprises that you are going to get after signing the contract. So that's why the additions, as well as the modules, understanding of them is very, very critical. The additions are going to be really the flavors of the ERP. So for example, some companies are going to have either industry flavors, they might have construction manufacturing, that is an addition. The modules are going to be, okay, you have 
bill of materials or manufacturing depending upon how they are packaging so those are going to be individual modules some companies may offer just everything in one go so they might not have a module based pricing but the other ones are going to keep that every single approach that you are going to have is going to have some sort of pros and cons for example when you have a vendor they are going to claim you know what if you buy our software we typically include all of the modules as part of the license now the problem with that approach that you are going to get is if you are offering the full capability to each of these users for the most part they are going to be really expensive even though from the license perspective it's going to be much easier to manage and much easier to compute but from the expense perspective these users are going to be far more expensive then when you are going to have the module specific pricing you are simply buying whoever needs what right so you can save a lot there in that so overall you need to understand additions and modules very deeply you need to align this with your architecture as well as with your user workflows to avoid any sort of financial surprises so that's number 1 number 2 on our list is license terms and regardless of which software you buy even if companies that are going to be claiming that hey you know what i have consumption based licensing the other vendors are not going to be as fair but even the uh, companies that are going to be offering consumption based pricing or monthly pricing they are still going to require some sort of contract and typically once you are as part of that once you are locked in the contract there is not much of the negotiation that you can do especially if you are going to be scaling down the license cost because they might have their own internal processes where they might be paying commission to their sales people so scaling down is always going to be very difficult in general scaling up is going to be much easier because that's going to be a revenue for them so understanding licensing term in terms of okay how much do you want to commit whether you want to commit for short term long term each approach could have its own pros and cons depending upon how confident you are with your implementation plan and how close you are in predicting your cost so licensing term is very critical as well for your erp contract and that's number 2 number 3 on our list is user access and user types when you look at different erp system every single system is going to have very different licensing or the user access layers some examples are going to be named user versus concurrent user okay that's the most common one so named user is going to be assigned to a person and concurrent user meaning you have a seat that multiple users can occupy but at a time only one person will be able to occupy so that's a real difference between concurrent so if you are opting for concurrent model you don't require as many seats with named user you have to name it for every single user that you are buying for generally the pricing of named user is going to be far cheaper so overall if you look at the expense it's probably going to be similar but you need to think about okay how many different concurrent users are you going to buy how many different named users are you going to require the other challenges that you might get overall from the user access and user types perspective is in predicting okay the full versus limited users when you are going to do analysis full versus limited you need to understand okay what kind of access rights that limited user is going to have and if that is going to be enough for the workflows that you have identified and sometimes you just don't know enough because you may not have spent as much time in your discovery phase in your analysis 
to be able to understand the true cost and you are simply going to sign the contract and after that there is going to be substantial overages if you don't understand that and sometimes that could be very expensive in general once you are locked in the contract you are not going to have much of the negotiation room in general some vendors are going to be okay some vendors they will not do anything uh, to give you so that's why that whole analysis is very critical if you don't want any sort of financial surprises later on the other user types could be device versus user the device user type is very complex in general because the pricing could be based on number of transactions number of queue hits there are so many different technical variables that might impact the pricing and unless you have technical people on your side who can do this analysis in predicting the transaction volume but even they are going to require refined business processes refined uh, enterprise architecture to be able to predict your cost so the user access and user types are very 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 important to understand but make sure you do the due diligence to be able to understand your final cost as well as avoid any sort of financial surprises so that's number 3 <music> Number four on our list is reseller tiers, and each reseller are going to have very different tiers. Sometimes this might not be the contract term that might not be spelled out, but for the most part, the resellers are going to have a very specific discount. Now, when you are going to change the reseller, you might get a very different reseller. They might be new in the market. They might not have as much discount. Sometimes the newer ones have far more discount, and the reason for that is because the OEMs might be supporting their practices, and they might offer the discount as big as your bigger partners. But that is only for a couple of deals. After that, they are going to have very similar discounting unless their performance is going to be similar to the larger reseller. So when you are going to be changing the reseller, you really need to understand, okay, what you are going to lose because you might lose a lot, especially if they might have deeper discount that they may have included as part of the initial quote. So understand, you know, what tier the reseller is on and how the negotiation process is going to be if you have to change that. So that's number four. Number five is going to be. discounts so with respect to discounts different vendors are going to have different discounting strategies and some vendors might discount a lot just because their initial pricing is going to be higher they might discount up to 50% sometimes 60% the other companies might not be able to discount as much also the discount is going to be at the line level so unless you have the previous quotes or you have a selection consultant on your side you are not going to know the line level discount and sometimes that could add up and you might save a lot and that's why it is really critical to work with somebody who has access to previous quotes so that you can get whatever discounts that you are looking for but discounting could have the other layer as well sometimes you are going to be going for a lot of different discounts but that could fire back because you might have other financial surprises or the other levers that the sales rep might be pulling in but you might not know the implications fully and that's why you might go for the discounts and finally learn that that has actually fired back because of the financial surprises so that's number 5 number 6 is price lock so price lock is very tricky as well in general some vendors are going to push for shorter term contract because they know that you are probably not going to move from your erp after a year so they might push for the shorter term contract because they are not going to lose as much discount the other vendors on the other hand what they do is they are going to push for longer 
term contracts. And the reason why they are pushing for longer term contracts is because there is going to be revenue certainty for them. So that's why they want it to be as long as possible so that they are not going to lose that revenue or money. That's why they have price lock. Now, from your perspective, the price locks are, are tricky to work with. Let's say if you are going for a discount and you are going to get discount just because you are committing for five years, seven years, whatever that longer term horizon may be. And even if you are going to use ERP for that long, there is a possibility that could fire back. And that possibility is going to be, let's say, what if your implementation does not work? If your implementation does not work and if you are not able to go live, then you are still going to be logged in the contract. Most vendors, they are going to say, you know what, I will change the reseller. I will, you, know, you can change the implementation plan. They are going to have so many different ideas and they are not necessarily responsible for the implementation money that you are going to be losing on top of the contract. So it's very, very, very important to understand the price lock in terms of what is the ideal duration. If you have too many unknowns in your implementation plan, then shorter term contract may make more sense. And the reason for that is at least at least you are not going to be losing as much money. But let's say if you have fairly easy implementation and you feel that this is not this is probably going to work out, then longer term contract is OK. But hire an expert to be able to understand if there are going to be any risks, because unless you are doing this on a daily basis, it might be very hard to assess, you know, what risks that you are assuming. So price lock is definitely very critical. And that's why it is at number six on our list. The number seven on our list is more users feature discount guarantee. And this particular provision, what it does is it allows you to acquire more users or features. Let's say if you want to make any sort of changes to your contract in the future, you should be able to get the same discount. Now, when you are negotiating with ERP vendors, they will not give you everything. So if they are giving you discount, then they might not give you price guarantee because it's meant to be complex. It's not meant to be easy. They will try to negotiate as much as possible. You are not going to get everything. So if you are going for discount, most likely you are going to lose this. But this could be useful if you are uncertain about your plan and you feel that you are going to require a lot more users in the in the future, then having this provision can, can help you getting the same discount so you are not actually losing on the discount. So that's number seven. Number eight on our list is license price increase. And license price increase is going to be relevant when you are going to be renewing your contract. So let's say if you sign for five years and after five years, let's say if you have to renew, for the most part, you will experience a steep price increase. And the reason why you, you do that is because the ERP vendors know that that you will not be able to move out from the ERP as as fast. You are going to be logged at least for some time. So there is no reason for them to be able to offer the same pricing or, or discount. And for them, they must have offered a lot of discount in the beginning because in general, acquiring ERP customers is hard. So they have to offer substantial discount to win your account, but they are not going to offer the same discount later on. So some ERP vendors, what they can do is they can have a provision or a clause where you can dictate, okay, how much price can they increase? 3%, 5% so that you don't have the sticker shock of 50% increase or maybe 100% increase. That could be a lot for, especially for these smaller companies. So having this provision helps you at least predicting your cost, even if you might not be getting as much discount, at least your cost 
are going to be slightly more predictable. So that's why this particular provision is very, very, very important. And that's number eight. Number nine provision that a lot of ERP vendors might be able to offer, especially in the world of cloud, is license fee waived off for the first year. And the reason why they are able to do that is because the first year you are anyways going to be implementing, you are not going to get much value out of your software. And in general, the test infrastructure for them is not as expensive. So that's why they are able to provide either for first year or maybe three months, six months time for the implementation, and you are not going to be paying for the licensing. Now, if you draw the cost schedule over the period of five years, um, that could be a substantial discount overall with this option. But if they are offering this, then they might not offer something else. So again, the negotiation gets tricky overall, but this is going to be one of the terms that you might be able to negotiate that in the implementation phase, there should not be any licensing fee. So that's number nine. Number 10 is the financing options. And a lot of ERP vendors, they are going to propose either financing uh, option or some sort of grants. So financing option is great tool to have. If you want the financing option, especially if you're not able to get this money from outside credit sources. So this could be a great option. But at the same time, if they are going to be offering the financing, then you are going to have the tighter lock with them in general. So keep that in mind. Also, if they are going to be offering this, then they might not offer something else just because they are going to pitch that as the benefit of working with them. So you might lose on the discount. So explore financing option only if it is going to be relevant and critical for you. Otherwise, ignore that because that's not a real benefit overall unless you need that. So that's number 10. Now, there are some more uh, provisions that are equally critical. So we are going to touch them briefly. So number 11 is user limit by version. And some ERP companies, the way they structure their version, they are going to have all of the foot in the door offer, the initial offer for very small emerging companies that might support up to five users. After five users, you are going to be on the next version and that could have significant price steep. So if you don't understand how these versions work, you might get the financial surprises. So make sure you understand what is included as part of your version. Otherwise, you will get financial surprises. So that's number 11. Number 12 is transactions restrictions. This is the same issue as you have with version, but here you are going to be limited by the number of transactions. And sometimes they are going to say, you know what, this is all unlimited user. You have nothing to worry about. But then the limits are going to be with respect to transactions. And as soon as you hit that transaction limit, they are going to put you on the upper tier. So it's just the financial translation, whether you have unlimited transaction or you have unlimited users, it's same things, but you are going to have limitations somewhere. So make sure you understand those limitations. Number 13 on our list is infrastructure price changes. And infrastructure price changes is a very similar issue. Now, to understand this, you need to understand the architecture as well as IT a little bit to be able to forecast these things in terms of, okay, what is going to be your bandwidth? What is going to be your storage? And if they have any sort of limit because of that, sometimes the toll charges or the overage charges could be more expensive than your contracts. 
So that's why it is very, very, very important to hire an expert for your pre-selection process to be able to understand all of these variables and how they are going to affect your total contract price. So here for the infrastructure, the limits could be based on bandwidth, storage, speed, infrastructure, add-ons. There could be so many different variables that could drive your price. And sometimes they are not going to be very explicit in mentioning them in the contract. You need to read between the lines to be able to understand their implications. But that is number 13. Number 14 is the application user pricing. In general, the application user pricing is very, very, very complex to understand just because and this is going to be when you are going to have some sort of integration app or you have some sort of workflow that you are trying to implement from the integration perspective. It might have its own variables, life cycles, and sometimes the pricing could increase just because the way you are going to be designing the solution, the number of error messages that you are going to, uh, that a queue is going to get the pricing variable maybe based on that. So that's where you need very, 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 very deep technical understanding of these things to be able to understand, okay, what is going to be your final price if you have those issues and there are going to be legal implications. So application user pricing is number 14 on our list. Number 15 on our list is third-party products and warranties. And third-party products, sometimes they are going to be white-labeled. Sometimes uh, the companies are not going to be as expressive. If they are using any sort of third-party products, they might have relationship today, but they might lose that relationship in the future. If they lose, you might lose support. You might lose that particular component that was really critical for your implementation. So that could fire back big time. Sometimes the product may not be usable just because you don't have that component anymore that uh, you can use with your ERP implementation. So that's why the third-party products warranties, it's critical to understand their contract. You know, what is the financial obligation? Who is responsible for, for, for what? You know, when you are going to have support issues, who is going to be taking care of all of that? So that's number 15. Number 16 is ownership of custom code and intellectual property. When you are going to be hiring reseller ISVs, sometimes if you are new to the industry, you might not know that there might be some of the resellers and ISVs, they might be writing the code just to resell it to some other customers. And if they are doing that, then they are literally developing the product as they are implementing it for you. And if they are doing that, then what is going to happen is they are most likely not going to give you the code, even though you have paid for those efforts. So it's very critical to understand if any custom code is being developed and even for the product, if they are utilizing any sort of product IP, you still need to understand, you know, which IPs are being used and who is going to have legal ownership of those IPs because tomorrow if the either OEM or the reseller is going to lose the relationship, they might not have support for that particular piece and that could be an issue for the entire implementation. So that's number 16. Now, number 17 is the data ownership. So data ownership, a lot of ERP vendors are going to claim that, you know what, you have nothing to worry about from the data perspective. Upon termination of our contract, if you want data, I'll give you data. But the format of that data might be tricky to read. You might not be able to do anything with it. So what is really important to understand is what is going to be required from your side to be able to get that data. And if it is going to be meaningful to be able to get that, and in most cases, you would probably require 
the application license to be able to export their data in the readable format. Because what they are going to do is they are simply going to give you the SQL dump of that data. And unless you understand the data model of that ERP, which is very, very, very technical and hard, even for experts, just because the, the technical data model is far more detailed. In general, it might have many different tables that might not make sense for you. And unless you understand the functionality of that product, it becomes very hard to get any sort of meaningful insights or extracted data that you can use for your new ERP system. So you might end up requiring the ERP system to be able to get data in the readable format. So even though data ownership is a great provision that you might want to pay attention to, but for the most part that might be marketing hype, it might not be as meaningful for you. So just pay attention to that and understand what's included as part of that. So that's it for this video. If you enjoyed this video, we are going to include the link of a detailed article that is going to have much deeper insights. So check that out. We publish these videos on a weekly basis. Yeah, so if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you might want to do that. If you don't want to click on these videos, this uh, podcast is also available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So if you want to check, check there as well as subscribe. If you like, you have not checked our digital transformation report for 2023. We are going to include the link of that as well. So check that out on that note. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you. In the next Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.